Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hey, welcome into Dog Walk Talk. I am Wes Blankenship, joined by Palmer Toms, and we're going to recap a couple things that have happened since we last spoke, since you last heard our voices. Uh, Palmer Mike Bobo is back. Brian McClendon is back. Uh, they are reuniting with the dogs and Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp on the staff as well. Uh, really makes me wonder who else Georgia should hire to bring back. And I wrote about that over at Dogs HQ, but uh, a little tongue in cheek uh, with some of the names I mentioned. But Palmer, who do you think uh, should come back to join the dogs? And more importantly, what do you think Bobo and BMAC? bring to the staff yeah the uh the combination of kirby bobo and muschamp makes me feel like we're back in the 90s before i was (laughs) even born they were playing in georgia um taking the field between the hedges no but uh i I really liked your piece there with with a couple of uh fun additions to the staff um eric eric uh um eric taylor would be my choice there the uh you know clear eyes full hearts can't lose um, coach taylor yeah coach taylor um no but in, in all seriousness i do think that these are uh big additions to the staff um anytime you can bring in somebody that is honestly overqualified to be an offensive analyst like mike bobo somebody that's got 
you know, not only experience as a quarterback's coach, position position coach there, but also as an offensive coordinator in the SEC at two different stops and a head coach out at Colorado State, um, th- three different stops actually as OC um, between Georgia, South Carolina, and Auburn this past season. Um, and like I said, head coaching stop at Colorado State that didn't go all too well, but um, we, we won't hold that against him. Hmm. I, I do think it's a, it's a big addition there. Um, you know, you, you can see the, the masterminds on the offensive side of the ball are, are just, you know, continuing to build. You've got Todd Munkin, who's bringing in a lot of new ideas from the pro level. Now you're adding to him. You know, you, you've already got Buster Faulkner, somebody who's been an offensive coordinator uh, that's working hand in hand with with Munkin there. Um, you know, you've got Matt Luke, who's been an offensive coordinator and a head coach before. Um, you've got Del McGee, who was an, an interim head coach at one point. Um, and and uh, head coach at the high school level too. So a lot of people that have a lot of experience in in leadership, uh, and and I think it only helps to add um, Bobo as well as McClendon, another guy who's been an offensive coordinator. Um, I, th- I think looking at McClendon specifically, we covered that one really well. Um, talking to former players, Keith Marshall had very yeah, high we, praise. We we broke that story by the way. We should have. Led the episode with that, uh, with the pat on the back. Good job on that, man. That was a, a real hustle over the weekend. But yeah, a lot of excitement surrounding that news. Yeah, and, and I think in speaking with Keith Marshall, that kind of encompassed it all. Um, you know, I opened it up, thanking him, you know, for for joining us, and he was like, "Hey, man, my boys are back in Athens." Speaking mm-hmm. about Bobo and uh, and McClendon there, um, you know, his, his former running backs coach and his former offensive coordinator. Um, but we spoke really focused in our conversation on McClendon since that's the guy that he spent the most time with as a running back, uh, the guy who recruited him to Athens, the guy that coached him for the majority of his time in Athens. Um, the, the McClendon was on staff, uh, Marshall's the entire time, but his last season he made the move over to wide receiver uh, where he has been for the rest of his career to this point. Um, you know, I, I think that that's, that's a big move for, you know, not only on field production, um, you know, you look at how the receivers that he coached at South Carolina, um, you know, Debo Samuel, who we've seen have an incredible season in the NFL with the 49ers, uh, you know, w- was an all SEC player in 2018. You add on top of that, Brian Edwards and Shai Smith, both going for more yards and catches than e- any Georgia receiver had this year. Um, I know we've talked about the Georgia receiver room, uh, you know, going back to our last conversation, talking with about Burton and his decision to transfer out. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that Georgia will continue to spread around the wide receiver, um, you know, production, the touches there. Um, but I, I think that you are going to see, uh, you know, uh, you're seeing a guy come in with a lot of experience under his belt, both as a wide receivers coach and as an offensive coordinator, uh, passing game coordinator was set to take on that role at Miami on Mario Cristobal's first staff down there at the U. Um, but, you know, he, he's now coming in, um, you know, and, and is going to be working, you know, each and every day with these Georgia wide receivers. I, I think that, you know, to me, when I think about the, the the best example of a impact that a great wide receivers coach can have, it's Joe Brady at, at LSU. And obviously those were some freak wide receivers that he was working with in that 2019 season. But, you know, you, you if you listened to those guys, you know, whether it was Joe Burrow talking about the, uh, you know, wide receivers 
or Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson talking about their coach, um, you know, the work that they put in. You know, I, I think that you can really see the impact that a position coach and a wide receivers coach can have some fresh ideas there. So, you know, I, I'm not going on the record predicting that kind of production out of these Georgia wide receivers for next year. If it happens, then Georgia's going to be in a great position to repeat as a national champion. Uh, but I do think that McClendon coming in helps on that front as well as on the recruiting uh, trail. Yeah. And look, uh, Chad Simmons and Jake Roost are going to speak more about recruiting coming up in this episode, but I think it is a huge win on both fronts. Obviously with Bobo, um, the fact that he is from Thomasville, South Georgia, you can't ever have enough representation down there if you're the dogs. And I think that is really the, the thing that a lot of people are maybe overlooking in this, wondering what's it going to mean for him to be an analyst versus an on the field coach or coordinator or whatever. Um, the leadership that you mentioned is obviously a big part of that. Uh, he'll be coaching up coaches, essentially. But having a presence down there in South Georgia is huge. Uh, even though Georgia has a national approach to the guys they get, they're going to get the best players they can, regardless of where they're from. Uh, they have a punter from Australia, finally. Uh, we got we got a punter from down under. Um, but Bobo's presence there will be felt. And then with BMAC, uh, I, there's a tweet today as we record now on Wednesday, February 3rd uh, from a 2023 commit that is referencing Brian McClendon. I don't think BMAC can retweet this. I don't know what all the NCAA rules are on all that, but Raymond Cottrell saying, I know y'all see who our wide receiver coach is. Finna have a freaking blast. Like, what's not to like about us, man? I feel like I'm a like one of those automated voices reading a reading <laughs> one, of the, text. one of the TikTok voices. Yeah, those TikTok voices, that girl really gets on my nerves. I'll, I'll just go ahead and say, if I hear a viral video with the TikTok girl, I have to mute it. But anyways, <laughs> Raymond Cottrell, you can look up his tweet. Raymond, C-O-T-T-R-E-14, Georgia commit for 2023. Uh, he says, we love success over here, and he's talking about BMAC. So huge win on both fronts. From a coaching standpoint, I loved your point about uh, the comparison to to Joe Brady. What is uh, a difference or a few differences that you're expecting to see from a BMAC coach wide receiver room and a Cortez Hankton receiver group? It's an interesting question. And it's one that I'm, I'm really looking forward to diving into over the course of February as we approach spring practice, you know, like you said, broke the news over the weekend and, and it's just been, you know, a whirlwind of news coming on uh, between injuries and, and uh, you know, signing day yesterday. Um, you know, I, I do think it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll say that. I think that anytime you get, fresh set of ideas. Um, you know, any, anytime you've had a, a coach that's there for a while, um, you know, Cortez being at, at UGA for four seasons, four or five years now, um, you know, just, and I'm not saying that, that, that this isn't a knock against Cortez Hankton. I think that when, when you've got somebody that's been there that long, um, some of, some of the, you know, things that they say, probably fall upon deaf ears. And, 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 you know, again, not a knock against Cortez Hankton. I think that that's, you know, that's, that's part of the, 
Um, you know, you obviously you want continuity in your staff, but bringing on new ideas is never a good, never a bad thing. Um, it's, it's typically, uh, pretty good to bring on some fresh, you know, fresh opinions and fresh voices. And, and I think that that's going to be welcomed in the, you know, not only just in that wide receiver room with, with the guys that are returning lad McConkey, AD Mitchell, uh, Kyrus Jackson, those are the big three, but you've obviously also got Arian Smith, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, Dom Blaylock, guys like that that are going to be trying to you know come back and make bigger impacts in, in 2022 than they did in 2021. Um, I, I think that you know not only in that room, but I think that in the offensive room in, as a whole, um, some of the ideas that, that BMAC can bring in, um, you know, from the time that he's spent elsewhere, learning from coaches like you know, like Mario Cristobal, uh, you know, learning from the coaches that he worked with at Oregon and worked with at South Carolina. Um, and, and even the guys that he worked with previously at Georgia, I think that he's going to be able to, you know, take the things that he's learned from them and, 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 you know, implement them here at Georgia, what that is exactly. I'm not quite sure. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to see. Um, and, and it's, it's something that I'm really looking forward to, you know, finding out this spring as, as we, you know, get a, our first taste of BMAC as, as a, you know, tw- new uh, Georgia assistant. Yeah. Uh, one thing that, you know, I think I've been speaking to a, a few people with about since the last episode um, was Jermaine Burton's departure. Obviously, you know, something about the way receivers play, perform at Georgia uh, factored into his decision. Um, you know, the lazy social media narrative is that he didn't want to play for Stetson Bennett. Couldn't be further from the truth. I think if you just look at the production of Georgia's offense, you don't have a guy at Bama. You don't have a, a king out there catching every pass, you know, catching 60 balls at Georgia. It's just not what they do. Um, can they do that? Are they interested in trying to do that? Maybe, you know, maybe that's a, a wrinkle in the offense for next season. But not doing that was good enough to win a national championship this year. So that's something that I'm interested to see as well. Uh, and, and and not to mention the fact that you saw somebody that was probably considered more of a rotational guy than the star of the room making the biggest catch of the season. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, that being A.D. Mitchell. Dude, when you have underclassmen, freshmen, Bowers and Mitchell out there making all the grabs, you know, that tells you – about your role at that position. It doesn't matter what your seniority is. They're going to get the ball to who's open. Um, and that's something that Bur- that Burton had to think about. And maybe he's more interested in being that 60-catch guy. And honestly, he's, he's probably more likely to be that guy at Alabama. But don't sleep on the talent that Georgia has at wide receiver and at tight end. Uh, and, and they're going to distribute. That's what the mailman does, man. He just he just distributes to anyone that's open, and that's how it's going to go. Yeah, no, and 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 I think as we kind of shift our focus, um, you know, kind of wrap up our conversation and turn things over to Jake and Chad Simmons. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how these you know guys that signed in this 2022 class, some of these wide receivers, Dylan Bell, who signed yesterday, uh, on top of Denial and Morissette. 
Chandler, CJ Smith, and and Cole Spear, how those guys can fit in. A um, couple of them on campus early in in Morissette and Smith. Uh, Spear and Bell will be coming in the in the summer. Um, but I think that there are some, you know, I. I I don't know what to expect out of any of those guys. I don't think that any of them are, you know, not, none of them are probably your top pick top choice at wide receiver in this class. Um, But I do think that there's some dynamic playmakers. I mean, just bell specifically, he's a guy that played running back in high school, uh, you know, very comfortable with the ball in his hands. And I think that he's capable of doing some special things, uh, you know, very capable of that. I, I I think that that's, um, you know, and, and I, and I've seen, I saw this comparison yesterday on some of our boards and, and I'm not going to go as far as making that comparison, but I will point it out because of the connections that you've got Debo Samuel. Again, I brought him mm. up when talking about Brian McClendon. Um, you, you're now going to have the coach that was the offensive coordinator for Brian McClendon. Uh, excuse me, the, the Brian for McClendon, Debo. the coach that was the offensive coordinator for Debo Samuel, being the position coach for a guy that has a lot of those, that same skill set, that capability to do a lot of things in open space with the ball in his hands. So getting the ball in, in the hands of Dylan Bell, whether that be, you know, on, on a sweep out of the backfield on a, on a reverse or something like that, um, you know, or obviously passing it to him as a wide receiver. Um, you know, we we've seen how Debo has had that kind of impact with the 49ers mm-hmm. this year. And, and I think that if there's somebody capable of that in this 2022 signing class, it's probably Dylan Bell, who who I'm sure that Jake and Chad will get into here. before. Yeah, I, I know Jake likes Dylan a lot. And I want to ask uh, Lad McConkey for forgiveness for not mentioning his name in the list of uh, freshman pass catchers at Georgia. But great point about the impact that a freshman could have. A.D. Mitchell went viral uh, in the offseason after G-Day last year because he caught that touchdown pass from JT Daniels. Who would have thought back then that that kid was going to catch what proved to be the game winner in the national championship? I mean, And from that quarterback. Yeah, that's a great (laughs) point too. Uh, All right, after this break, Jake Roos, Chad Simmons talking uh, 2022 dogs, maybe a little bit of 2023 as well. Um, Another exciting class for Georgia, and we'll leave it to the experts experts rather to break it all down hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, folks, welcome back to Dog Walk Talk. I'm Jake Roos, and with me, uh, the director of scouting over at On3.com, the man himself, Chad Simmons. Chad, thank you so much for joining us always on Dog Walk Talk, buddy. Yeah, man, let, let me say director of recruiting, so I don't try to act like I'm Charles Powell. I'm not Charles. He's a scouting director uh, who runs that. So, yeah, I'm just the recruiting guy, just the little guy on the totem pole, and, and Charles takes care of all the scouting and the eval. So, Georgia fans, if you're mad about somebody's ranking, 
No, go talk to Charles. You know. I <laughs> see, see. All right. All right. So Ch Chad takes Chad's taking a page out of my book. I always tell people <laughs> I'm not the I'm not the star guy. I'm not the guy who gives out the stars. So <laughs> no, I'll, tell, I'll say this about Charles, man. Nobody works harder. I mean, that I guy, you. as far as doing his homework, I mean, it's it's unreal. Uh, he's like a human encyclopedia. I mean, uh, he's awesome. I'm happy to be working with him for sure. No question. Well. Chad, uh, know you're busy, man. Uh, signing day has come and gone, but I know that just means the page has turned to 2023 for you. Um, but I did want to go in depth with you a little bit on Georgia's 2022 class. Uh, the dogs look like they sutured everything up on Wednesday. Um, three additions to the class uh, and signed a couple guys that they expected to sign. Uh, first off, I guess let's talk about these uh, uh, new additions to the class. I think that's where I think that makes sense to start it there. Um, when we're talking about those guys, you know, uh, first off, Andrew Paul is, is where I'd like to start because that's just not a guy I feel like a lot of people know a lot about, primarily because his whole recruitment kind of took place over the course of about a month and a half. So everything kind of really exploded. Dogs HQ was out there on the scene, uh, and uh, we encourage you to go check out that exclusive that we had with Andrew Paul over there. But, uh, you know, just kind of your thoughts on uh, on Andrew Paul, this pickup for Georgia. I mean, it's always interesting with these late these late guys who surge. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched some of the interview. I mean, obviously a well-spoken kid, man, definitely confident. And I love the attitude about work. You know, he didn't – he made it clear he's not going to shy away from competition, which I, I know for a fact a few guys told me they were going to a school because the opportunity to play right away. You know, the, the, the less – I guess the less bodies at their position, and that was not even in the cards for – uh, for Paul, as far as part of his, I guess the equation to get to Georgia, but uh, so I got a lot of respect. I don't, I didn't get a chance to really cover him one on one, but he's a guy that I got a lot of respect for what kind of his approach and his mentality. I think you know Kirby's talked about that for this class, just their mentality. Guys that want to work, guys that want to buy in, uh, guys that want to be team players, and you know Paul obviously exploded. You know that was obviously a late battle. Uh, between Clemson and Georgia, depending on who you talk to, what your sources were. Some were on the Clemson side, some with Georgia. And I know and it, it was close, but I can definitely, you know, me working different channels and doing what I do, I, it was it was pretty pretty equal. And the way Paul did it, you know, didn't tell anybody. So it kept everybody pretty much guessing until he made that announcement. But I kind of stuck with my guns and went with Georgia, and Georgia won out in the end. But a kid that, well, I think, what, 2,600-plus yards as a senior rushing state champion, I think 44, I think, total touchdowns as a senior I think when you look at him and just glancing at his film you know he's built like you would think of Georgia running back you know 5'11 200 pretty chiseled uh runs away from people pretty powerful but um you know I think it was made pretty obvious that Georgia uh was looking for the best option for that second running back in this class with Branson Robinson signing early they had Jordan James committed but Jordan was looking around so when he did Georgia did the same and they found Paul, and I think Paul's a great fit for Georgia. So I think they, they need bodies at running back, and, and, and especially in the 2023 class, guys moving on uh, from this year and next year. Uh, I think he's a great kid and, and somewhat of a late find. He did a great job staying patient. Uh, you know, Michigan was, was involved as well. And I think just, just the way to, to, to be – I think he did it right. You know, he didn't have the offers he thought he deserved in December. He took his time, waited for February – um, exploded, got the offers that he wanted, and found his home in his Georgia. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that it's great fit. Uh, to me, I, I see a lot of similarities between he and Branson. I think that, uh, you know, kind of similarly built guys. Uh, obviously, nobody's built quite like Branson Robinson, but <laughs> yeah, incredible, incredible Hulk, maybe. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's right. Uh, now, but bringing it a little bit closer to home, you, you know, you're an Atlanta-based guy, and uh, uh, Georgia uh, has done well, obviously, in the state of Georgia. Um, uh, keep keeping guys home. Uh, pick up two big guys yesterday in Kristen Miller and EJ Lightsey. Let's start with Lightsey first, uh, a three-star for us over on, on 3.com, but a guy that a lot of teams really coveted. Uh, there were a lot of teams that were heavily involved, top programs, really like this guy. Um, you know, EJ's a kid I know that you've gotten to know a little bit as well over the course of this whole thing. You know, uh, just kind of your impressions of him as a player and, and as a, a fit with Georgia. Yeah, for me, he's just a typical, you know, what I think of a South Georgia player, man, just tough. The guy works, plays hard, all about the team. There's no me, me, me. He's not looking for all the accolades and the personal, uh, you know, recognition. You know, he's a guy who wants to play football. You know, from South Georgia, state champion now, first time in, like, something like 1950-something for Fitzgerald. So, uh, been a long time coming for those guys. And, um you know, he's a guy that started off as a defensive end, edge rush guy. So they're playing, obviously, lower-class football at Fitzgerald. So they don't have the numbers and size as far as those Metro Atlanta, Northern Georgia schools and Gwinnett County and Fulton County and all that. So he's playing running back and defensive end. And that's where he first started getting those disability to, to rush the passer. The cat. But he's then kind of undersized. When guys put their eyes on him, he's like 6'1", 6'2", 200 pounds. You know, he's not a defensive end in college. And then his coach moved him back to playing linebacker his junior year obviously it's the COVID year you know not people can put he's been through a lot as, as all these guys have in 2023 or 2022 and he, he's a guy just to me just a, a true football player toughness I think he's athletic you know him being a running back shows how athletic he is he's physical uh and I think again he can play a lot of different roles for George where they want to blitz him off the edge play him in the middle I think he's obviously an inside linebacker most of the time at Georgia and they want to uh, really just isolate him that was a big thing he told me that about Georgia, his decision was Georgia, their plan is to just – they don't want to move guys around, he said. They want to put him at a position, lock him in, and prepare him to hopefully get drafted when they inside linebacker. And then with Roquan Smith or Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, you know, guys like that. And, you know, I think just what, what he'll bring is that toughness, that edge, and really the, the hard work mentality to go with his athleticism. So, I mean, I like him as a physical linebacker and a guy that can run. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think it was a, a really interesting addition. I mean, for this class, to me, um, I, I made this comparison. I'd be interested to just hear your thoughts on it. When, I, when I'm kind of light, laying these three guys that Georgia recruited for inside linebacker this year, Jalen Walker, uh, C.J. Washington, and E.J. Lightsey, you know, to me, Jalen Walker is the Nicobe Dean. I think he's the the guy who has the most upside. I think he's kind of the the, you know, maybe most college-ready I think uh, C.J. Washington, very much a Channing Tindall type uh, with a lot of uh, athletic upside, uh, a guy who can really explode. And then to me, E.J. Lightsey, like Quay Walker, uh, not uh, not as big, not as tall, not as long necessarily, but a guy who does everything pretty well overall. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if I would say Lightsey is quite as athletic as Quay. Quay is such a freak athlete. Can just run his size, you know, six yeah. three, six four, to be able to run thirty yards down the field and cover, and the way he blitz off the edge. And uh, I mean, I, I've always been super high, you know, on Quay. Um, but again, another South Georgia kid that no from like like Lightsey. I mean, that that, that worked. He, he he really stayed the course, and you know, guys like Quay could have gotten frustrated early but he stayed and, and and ended up winning a championship at georgia but uh no i like it i mean i think with Jalen, the, the biggest thing maybe with him and the kobe difference is the size i mean oh, Jalen's sure. taller sure. longer thicker and the kobe was just so instinctive and so smart and he was 
he was on, and, and Jalen's very smart, you know, so off the field, very smart kids carry that to the, to the football field too. I mean, I like the comparison for the three and the three uh, for sure. And CJ just a, you know, jacked up, you know, athlete, you know, kind of in that similar size mold for sure as Channing Tindall, uh, as far as a guy that just take off like a missile, go get the quarterback. And obviously he'll hit you coming from that Cedar town and another physical guy, but, uh, but yeah, I like the comparison. Now uh, we're going to touch on a guy that I, I think everybody, a, a guy that's hard not to love, I, I think, and that's Kristen Miller. Uh, you know, a, a great defensive lineman out of Cedar Grove. Cedar Grove been great to Georgia. Uh, a lot of good players have come through there. Um, you know, Kristen, such a personality, uh, a guy that just naturally people gravitate toward, but one heck of a football player too. Um, you know, Chad, I know you've been covering Kristen for years at this point, uh, been well tuned into that recruitment. Uh, you know, just give us the insight here, man. I mean, what kind of, what kind of guy are they getting both on and off the field? Cause like I said, to me, it's as much about off the field with Kristen as it is on the field. And that's a big, and that's a big statement. There's no doubt that Kristen will make that locker room better, that practice field better, the classroom he's in better, whoever rooms with him, that dorm's going to be better, more upbeat, more positive. Um, I mean, he's definitely one. Uh, and I, I love most of the guys that I cover, get to, you know, get to know them and sure. kind of tell their story. But he's different. You know, he, he's just different. He has that infectious personality, man, that's always smiling, always upbeat. You know, he brings positive energy whenever he's around that that's what he is and who he is. And I think, you know, he, he has fun, you know, sweating out there at Cedar Grove in 95 degrees in July. He makes that fun. He has fun. You know, he'll, he'll keep it upbeat. If they're in a tough game. He'll keep guys loose, keep them focused in a fun way. I mean, he just loves, I would say just loves life. You know, that's what it comes across to me as, yeah. and, uh, which is great. You know, this world's so negative today. <laughs> we, we, the world needs more Kristen Millers, you know, uh, without, 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 without doubt. So with, with him as a player, you know, obviously big kid, six, four, six, five, you know, around two ninety. Uh, another, I think what two time state champion at Cedar Grove. Um, and, and you love guys. If you're Kirby smart to get guys that, that want to win, that know how to win, that have that winning mentality. Uh, and he's a natural leader too. I mean, uh, he's a guy that wants to work, you know, and wants to have fun at the same time, but he, he when it comes down to business time, he's focused, ready to work. And as a D lineman, he's another guy that kind of fits in perfectly what Georgia loves to do defensively playing a lot of odd man fronts and, you know, moving guys around and, you know, on, on third and passing situations, third downs, you know, move them inside, play them outside, uh, you know, at defensive end uh, on, on first and second downs. I mean, he's a guy that's very versatile, very strong at the point of attack. Uh, he can turn and run. Um, he's a good athlete. Not, not. I wouldn't say Trayvon Walker-esque athletically, but he's a good athlete. Um, and I think he'll come in, obviously, you know, getting injured, which could have been worse. So I'm glad that happened on, on sure. almost the next to last play, almost in the state championship game. Um, but he'll be back in the summer. And I expect him to really battle, you know, early if he's healthy enough to, to play early. I mean, um, he's a guy that will come in with the mentality and the confidence that he can compete and play for Georgia right away. Yeah, a lot of swagger with Kristen Miller. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, Georgia signs two other guys, long committed, Dylan Bell and Darius Smith. Um, you know, uh, Darius, obviously, the, the in-state kid um, and a guy I know that you've covered for a long time as well. Uh, you know, these these uh, I, these Texas guys, uh, we're, we're expanding the reach a little bit here when it comes to uh, getting out there uh, for sure. But, you know, with Darius, to me, I think he may be, 
the forgotten gem of Georgia's class when it comes to what people are thinking. I, I think that he's flown a lot, a little under the radar because of where he is. He's not very vocal. He doesn't do a lot of interviews or media. He didn't do a ton of camps, anything like that. But to me, looks like a pretty special player. Yeah, I mean, all, all about the upside. You know, when you're, you know, 6'6", six, six, what, 225, I think we have him as like 35-inch arms. I mean, it, he's a guy that really, I think, can excel in what Georgia wants to do with bodies and athletes like that off the edge. I mean, he's a guy that will play that stand-up linebacker position out there, and he can run. He's a basketball player, runs track. Um, so a lot of intangibles, you know, he'll bring, you know, with him to Athens. And I think it's all about – to me, if I was a coach like Kirby Smart – He's the guys that make me excited about my job because you have a lot to work. You have a raw talent. You know, it's a good program at Appling for sure, but Appling County, you know, weight program, nutritional program, that, that's not the University of Georgia. You know, them getting him to Athens, they can build onto that frame, maximize, you know, his, his God-given, you know, frame and talent. To me, that makes me excited if I'm a coach because he's a guy that has been dunking since middle school. You know, he can run on track. He sacks the quarterback super long uh, and versatile. So to me, uh, I, I agree 100 percent as far as hidden gym. I know probably in Kirby's eyes, not a hidden gym. But I think in the fans, probably a forgotten guy, been committed for so long. Uh, he's not he doesn't live in the metro. He's not always in the, on social media. Uh, he's not he didn't take he didn't commit, take five visits. I mean, he's just been Georgia and Georgia you know, off in the beginning. And I think Georgia has to be excited about what he brings, maybe not next year, but the years to come about what he can do at the University of Georgia from a pass rush standpoint and just his versatility. Yeah, had to had a chance to talk with his coach down there. It's interesting you mentioned the nutrition program. He said, look, we pump them full of chocolate milk and peanut butter sandwiches when we can, but this ain't Athens, Georgia, man. You know, we, uh, we don't different. have he, – he said, he said, you know, I think this kid can realistically add 20 – 20 to 30 pounds and, and still play with a lot of the speed and, and size that he's got. So um, uh, like I said, really, really excited about Darius Smith, Chad, I, I, you know, wrapping things up here, when you're talking about this 2022 class for Georgia, the dogs finished third in the nation. Um, obviously, Texas A&M, we won't get into that. I think Lane Kiffin and Jimbo are doing enough talking for everybody when it comes to where that all stands. But, you know, this class overall, your thoughts on how Georgia finished, um, you know, how they wrap this thing up, where they stand in this cycle. And, you know, um, I, I guess some areas for improvement and some areas where you feel like maybe they really succeeded in this class. I mean, if you finish top three, that's a great class. Now, I don't think this class measures to where Kirby's been before uh, when he finished number one as far as the, the entire class. But the, I think it's a good group. You know, I think the the biggest area you have to improve on next cycle is offensive line, specifically offensive tackle. Um, I saw a few of those guys play along the way, and I'm, I'm a big Ernest Green guy. I do think he's a versatile guy that could play. I'm like, like Jamari Sawyer a little right. bit. He could play tackle if they, but I think he's better inside long term. But again, he, he's so versatile, has the size and, and, and feet. But I think they have to, in 2023, hit the offensive tackle position uh, and, and do it well with, with top guys. Um, I think this class, what stands out probably as a strength, um, I like a defensive back group. You know, I think it's a good group with talking about Texas, Julian Humphrey. I mean, going to Florida and getting Jaheim Singletary, uh, obviously Malachi Starks right there in Athens probably will play early at safety for Georgia. Um, you know, I think that would, to me on paper, um, looks like the strongest 
in my uh, strongest position group I liked in this class. I think, again, overall, I think it's a good group. You know, you got a good mixture uh, of what you needed. But I, I think looking ahead, I think you've got to get some major elite playmakers at wide receiver. I think that's why you got Brian McClendon. He's got to go win some battles. And it doesn't look great in Georgia, the state of Georgia, next year for top flight receivers. So Brian will have to work some of that magic and go recruit guys in Florida or California or Texas or the Carolinas and pull one or two guys on the outside and then offensive line again going back. That's a big need for next year. But again, this group, if you finish in the top three, top five, that's an elite class. And to go with, you, with what you already have, uh, you know, on campus coming back and to build on. And of course, the portal has changed everything from sure. really the importance of recruiting, which I kind of hate a little bit. I mean, the, the classes aren't, they're still very important, but not as important because if you miss or you want to save three, four, five spots, you go to the portal and get transfers. And, you know, it takes a little bit away from these recruiting classes, but you still got to sign top class after top class if you want to compete and win championships. You know, Chad, looking at that list of Georgia commits, um, is there any names that that jump off to you as maybe a guy who could surprise some people? Uh, you know, obviously, everybody's going to talk about the five stars, the Malachi Starks, the Michael Williams, uh, so on and so forth. I mean, those guys are top five players. Is there any guy that you think maybe, you know, has a chance to really come into Georgia and, and flourish? I mean, I don't, it's hard to say maybe, you know, under the radar type of kid when you, you sign with Georgia because they're, they're right. recruiting national names. You know, I think a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot, you know, just going back to receivers, Deny Line Moore said. I mean, I think, you know, him coming, you know, started off in Marietta, went up north to play, uh, came back. You know, he was at Brookwood, North Cobb. So he's bounced around, you know, obviously. But, I mean, I, every time I've seen him, that kid's performed at an extremely high level. Now, I don't think anyone – you know, part of his game is elite, but I think he's quicker than people think. He, I think he has great ball skills. He runs very good routes. Uh, he'll be ready, I think, physically to compete early uh, if he's healthy for playing time. I mean, he, he's a guy that I think if he stays healthy, I think he'd be a, a guy that people really don't talk a lot about, I don't think, in this class that could make a splash. All right, last question. You know I got to ask it because uh, the 2022 class has been shaken up by the arrival of a new five-star out of Milton, and that's the reclassification of LT Overton. I uh, know you had some insight over at uh, on3.com about this one. You know, a lot of people asking where Georgia stands in this, how does Georgia factor in? Obviously, look, I, I, what I've told people, Scott Cochran had to take a leave of absence. I think that that impacted this relationship. Dan Lanning leaves for Oregon. That impacts this relationship. Kirby Smart looks like he's taking this one over. He's making it a personal project. How do the dogs factor in now for LT Overton now that we know he's going to be a 2022 uh, signee? Well, I, I really think, I mean, it's, I, what I always tell people asking you that is to go subscribe to dogshq.com <laughs> uh, and, and get the intel. You know, that's what might be my first answer uh, to that. But to go a little bit farther and expand on that, and I really think right now it's a two-team race. I think right now A&M's, if there is one in the driver's seat uh, coming off his third trip to college station, you know, last weekend, uh, obviously we've seen what they did this year uh, already. Uh, and now he could be part of that 2022 class on the defensive line alone uh, with, with the guys they just signed. Uh, and number one, I guess, historic class. Uh, they got number one class in the country. Uh, I think Georgia's made up some ground, but like you mentioned, Scott Cochran was his guy from the beginning. Uh, when he had to step away, uh, that did hurt. But Georgia, I think over the last, I would say from my sources, probably the last three months or so has made up some significant ground 
Um, and I, I think it's A&M one, Georgia two. I do think he'll be on both campuses again, you know, uh, in April, maybe a spring practice at Georgia in March, um, when get, whenever they get on the field. Um, but his plan is to visit all five, you know, Oklahoma, the Oklahoma legacy. And he does, you know, I think he likes Oklahoma more now than what he did before because of the Clemson connections going there with Venables and sure. uh, Todd Bates and those guys. But I really think right now A&M and Georgia are at the top with a, a pretty – significant gap between three, four, five. And you have to, you mentioned that you have to keep an eye on, on Oregon being sneaky here. I mean, he does like landing a lot, you know, and um, with him taking a trip to Eugene, you never know. I mean, you know, with, uh, with what they have going on with Phil Knight out there with the whole Nike complex and, and, and just kind of what's around the NIL opportunity out there and stuff like that with Nike tied to it. Um, I think he's definitely one that, that has his eye on the NIL and, if you got to pick with the NIL, it's hard to go against Texas A&M. It's just that with, with what's going on right now um, and, and and just what they're doing too recruiting-wise. So I, I like A&M with Georgia's second right now. Well, uh, I, I don't feel like this will be the last time you and I have a chat about LT Overton. I think that that one's going to be – it's going to make for quite a spring and probably quite a summer for all of us uh, that, that cover recruiting. So looking forward to following it. Uh, Chad, thank you so much for your time, man. Like I said, I know you're a busy guy, uh, but you're always so generous with your time, uh, not only here on Dog Walk Talk, but uh, when I'm hitting you up too. So I appreciate you as always, brother. Oh, my pleasure, Jack. Anytime. You're, you're a good friend, buddy. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ. We'll talk to you later. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 